Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> By the way, you may have been wondering what in the world is going on around here, what happened to all the chairs and all of that, just to put your mind at ease in case you were thinking about maybe falling down on the ground and having a heart attack or something like that, you know, which would might disturb my teaching time. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted you to know that we're preparing for the ladies' dinner on Friday, and if any of you have not yet signed up and want to come, you can take care of that tonight. Can't they, Donna? Yes. You can. Honest. You just talk to Donna, and she'll make sure you have a place reserved. Okay? Are you there? Testing. One, two, three. Okay? Okay, good. I, that's good. Um, we've been talking about the fact that <clears throat> whether we be Jew or Gentile, then nothing of our righteousness counts with God. And that we are in dire need of a righteousness apart from that which we are able to attain by our meager works. We've come to the conclusion, haven't we, that we need the righteousness of God as a free gift. And indeed, that's what the scripture pro proclaims has been made available to us in Christ. Not a righteousness that we have earned by the works of the flesh, but a righteousness, a right standing before God that is pure and simple, a free gift. Something we do not deserve, something we have not earned, but something that has been given to us. You know, that's so hard for us to, to accept. We're always trying to figure out a way to give God a reason to be nice to us. You know, really. It's just so hard for us to accept that God has absolutely no reason at all to be nice to us. And yet he has. He has. We are totally and utterly depraved before God. There isn't anything that we have to offer him. Nothing. Never have and never will. And yet, we're going to read about this tonight. In his great love and mercy, he has shown kindness towards us and has proclaimed us not just so-so or okay, but on a par with his own dear son. Now that is incredible. That's just, you know, that's just awesome. God has shown to us mercy that we did not deserve. And most of us don't really even, myself included, understand the impact. We, we really haven't even fathomed the impact of what that means. And, I, and the Holy Spirit is at work from the time that we get, uh, get saved to the time that we're presented before the Father uh, on that final day, he's in the in-between time trying to help us to understand what it is that we've received. It's so incredible, so great. And uh, the first 11 verses of chapter 5 in Romans talk about some of the results, the benefits, the fruit, the blessings of having been justified. And I always remember my Sunday school teacher telling me that the word justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. Just tuck that one away in your heart and let that one sink in. That we stand before God on the basis of our faith in Christ Jesus just as if we had never sinned. 
And it says here, therefore having been justified by faith. Not by works, not by good looks, <laughs> by faith. You're glad it wasn't by good looks, aren't you, Dale? Huh? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> we have peace with God. This is number one. The first result or benefit or blessing of our being justified by faith. We have peace with God. We were enemies of God, folks. We were at war with God. Whether we understood the nature of the conflict or not, we were, the Bible says, the enemies of God, at enmity with God. We were opposed to Him. We were on the other side. We were on the other team. We were His enemies. But He's made peace with us by the offering of His Son. <clears throat> we have peace with God tonight. There's no, no quarrel with God anymore. There's nothing about my life that is an enemy of his. Because there's no, I have been justified. I've been cleansed. I've been made righteous. I'm not God's enemy anymore. There's peace with God. Now, you know, if my righteousness was based on works, I couldn't say that. It'd be sort of iffy. If I was doing okay, well, you know, I have peace with God. As soon as I blow it, well, you know, things aren't so good between God and I today. Sort of have to depend on how, you know, what side of the bed we got up in the, on in the morning as to whether or not we had peace with God. But the, because our, we've been justified by faith and not by works, we can say, no matter what we feel like, no matter what we look like, no matter what we've done, there's peace between God and I. Everything is right. All is well. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace is not only this lovely lady sitting right here, but unmerited favor, favor of God we don't deserve. And we have access to the grace of God. We can come boldly, not brashly, but boldly into the throne of grace and receive mercy, receive help and grace in time of need. And that's, a, that's number two. Number three, uh, we, have, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have hope. We are a people of hope. And the kind of hope that we have is a hope that's sure and steadfast. It's not a, a hope that is, oh, I wish, I hope, maybe, someday, pro you know, if I'm good enough or if everything goes right. But we have a hope that is certain. We don't even understand the sense of this word as it's used in the Bible because our context of what the word hope means is something completely different. But the kind of hope that the Bible talks about is something that is so, so steadfast. It's, a, it's something you can plant your feet on and rest assured that it's not going to move. 
It's a hope that steadfast and sure is something to rejoice in. And people all around us today have no hope. But we are a people of hope because of what God has done. Colossians 1.27 says that Christ in us is our hope of glory. Again, not my works, not my, not my good looks, not my whatever, but Christ in me. That's my hope of glory. And number four, is it? Um, we also glory in tribulation, verse three. Because we have been justified by faith. Tribulations, trials, struggles in life don't have to undo us. They don't have to knock us down. They don't have to destroy us. In fact, we can glory in them. We can have triumph over trouble. We can have triumph in the face of tribulation because we have been justified by faith. And that wouldn't be true if we were not justified by faith. Tribulations and trials and struggles come, they knock us down, they tear us up. But because we have right standing before God on the basis of the righteousness of His dear Son, there isn't anything, I don't care what it's called, or what it looks like, or what it sounds like, it cannot, it cannot change my standing before God. It cannot separate me from the love of God. It cannot affect me. It cannot undermine God's work in my life unless I allow it to. That's the problem that we have with tribulations and trials. But look over at James chapter, <coughs> excuse me, James chapter 1. We see these big monsters coming and we say, oh baby, look out. It's like when I used to go body surfing, you know, I remember one this one day, I went out to, um, you know, I was just a little bitty guy and uh, I grew up in Torrance and we had some pretty decent waves there. But I mean, I went to uh, this place called Malibu and they have some bigger waves there. And in fact, the day I was there, they had some even bigger ones than they normally have. And I got out there and I saw this thing coming and I said, whoa, baby, you know, and I ran for shore. Well, we see these, we see these waves of trouble or tribulation or struggle or strife coming and we think, oh, look out. And we run and hide and fear and fret and waste a whole lot of unnecessary tears and anguish and Jesus wants us to be able to understand that, listen, this, isn't gonna, this can't affect me. This can't shake me loose from that hope that I have in God. I don't, it doesn't matter how big a wave this is. It's like David who said, listen, I don't, you, you, know, you, have, you talk big and you look big and you carry a big sword, but listen, you're no match for God. You've defied the armies of the Lord. You might as well lay down and die. There's no hope for you. He went after him with a little sling and a rock doesn't matter what life is throwing at you or what, what kind of chunks of hell the enemy's heaving at you. It doesn't matter. When you, have been, when you are the king's children, you've been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. You hold your ground. And like James chapter 1, verse 2 says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials because of this. Not just because you're cuckoo. Oh, boy, golly gee, I just 
love to get hit with these things. It's not like that. It's, I'm, I have joy in the face of this tribulation because I know that the testing of my faith that I'm about to endure or come under is going to produce patience. And when patience has its perfect work, I'm going to be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. And what the enemy meant to cut you down is actually going to strengthen you. Now look back over and we'll finish what we were reading there in chapter 5 of Romans, verse 3. It says, We glory in tribulations knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance. That same thing, patience. And patience produces character, depth. And character produces that kind of hope that we talked about. Can't be shaken, firm, steadfast. Now it says in verse 5, this hope doesn't disappoint most of the things we've put our hope in, folks, has, we've been hurt by. You know, we've been let down. We've been disappointed. But not our hope in Christ. Not our hope in God. It cannot disappoint because God has already, he's already shown us his love. He's already poured out his love into our life. And that's the next one of these benefits or blessings of being justified by faith. By faith the love of God poured out in our lives how can he as the scripture says fail to give us all good things fail to bring his his promises to pass if he has not spared his own son how can he not but but fulfill every word of his promise to us when he has not spared his own son but gave him up for us he he cannot his word cannot fail and so our hope can it will not make us ashamed it will not cause us to be disappointed because the love of God has been shown <clears throat> and because we stand justified by faith in Jesus Christ his love has been shed abroad in our lives the next one the next blessing is uh, talked about here in the same verse it says the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us the Holy Spirit coming and indwelling our life and empowering our life and bringing comfort and direction to us is a benefit, a tremendous benefit and blessing of being justified by faith and having right relationship with God. Let's look over to John chapter uh, 14. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. This is Jesus talking. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I like that. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He's talking about coming to us in the person of the Holy Spirit and indwelling and infilling our lives. What a precious thing. Now, chapter 16 of John, uh, verse 7. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper, or the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Verse 13, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. What a precious gift the Holy Spirit is. What a blessing. The next one that's talked about there in Romans chapter 5, we find down in verse 9, but let's work our way to it. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, still his enemies, still committed to opposing him in everything. Even in that condition, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. One of the blessings of being justified by faith is that we will be spared the final judgment that awaits the the world, that awaits Satan and his legion of or armies of uh, demons we will be spared that judgment there's not enough hallelujahs you could say about that one for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only that But here's the last one. But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we we have now received the reconciliation. There's no way to describe the kind of joy that is ours in Christ. You can't explain it. You probably have already had the experience of trying to explain the joy that we have in Christ to someone who doesn't know him. You find yourself tongue-tied and lost for words and they, they end up kind of thinking, gee, this person's nuts. <laughs> and you're not nuts, you're just happy. <laughs> and that's hard to explain. Especially when people look on you and they say, but yeah, but didn't, you just, didn't your business just go under? Didn't you just, have a, didn't you just have a debilitating accident? Didn't I hear that you just lost your job? How can you say to me you have joy in Christ? Well, certainly those things are nothing to be happy about. They're not things to be joyful about. But we don't get our joy from the circumstances. A friend of mine used to tell a story about how he was uh, driving along, I think it was in Florida, and it was in the worst of conditions uh, weather-wise, you know. It was like hurricane-type conditions, you know, winds blowing and rain and all sorts of stuff. And he was just, he was just uh, pedal to the metal or whatever they say, trying to get to the nearest uh, hotel so that he could get out of this mess. And he happened to see some guy standing or, or trying to make his way walking in the, in the wind. But you know, when you're walking against the wind like that, you're really standing still. And uh, he, the, the guy, as, as his car passed by, the guy noticed the, the, bumper, the Christian bumper sticker on my friend's car and he said, Praise the Lord! 
And my friend was relating the story to me and he said, you know, that really stuck with me because that I realized that we don't gain our, we don't derive our joy from the weather, from the conditions of the road, from the circumstances of our life. We have a joy that the Bible says is unspeakable. It doesn't make any sense. It's unspeakable. You can't explain it. Because it's, it, it, it isn't derived from anything that we can, we can really nail down for people. It's derived from our relationship with God. That peace that we have with God. Joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Now let's finish out the chapter. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. Now he's kind of recapping here all that he's been saying in the last few chapters. Just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. Thus death spread to all men because all sinned. You know, there's a lot of people that complain that God, uh, how can God be who he says he is when, he, when uh, little uh, babies, innocent children are dying or being abused or whatever or um, you know, you name it, whatever catastrophe happens to be going on, how can God allow those kinds of things to happen if he is who he says he is? Right here, it says that death didn't come from God. Death came from sin. It's nobody, we, we can't blame God for the conditions that we brought upon ourselves. The fact that little innocent children die has nothing to do with God, it has to do with me. And every time I hear about some catastrophe in the world where thousands of people are dying, such as in Ethiopia right now, I've got nobody to blame but me. It's my sin, not God. You know, in our insurance uh, business, we always talk about catastrophes as acts of God. And that's such a, such a shame. They're not acts of God. They're acts of sin, the result of sin. It says right here, death reigned, or death came through sin. Death spread to all men because all sinned. Then there's a long uh, parenthetical passage here, and we, we need to skip over and pick up again at verse 18, and we'll come back and take in this parenthesis. Verse 18, Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, he's talking about Adam and Adam's sin, many were made sinners. All of us are sinners. The whole human race has come under the curse of sin in Adam. You can get mad about that and say, God, if you'd only given me the chance, things would be a lot different. But the fact of the matter is that I really doubt it. In fact, we might be in a lot worse shape. <laughs> We, we really don't have any beef with uh, Adam. I mean, you know, it would be, uh, we'd have done the same thing. Or Eve, for that matter. What we need to understand, though, is that in Adam, all died. Adam sinned, we all died. And maybe you don't think that's fair. Maybe you think that every man ought to be able to have his own chance. Maybe God ought to create a little Garden of Eden for every man, woman, boy, and girl, 
and give them the opportunity to choose their own destiny. Well, it's a kind of a futile uh, effort. We'd all make the same mistakes. But the fact is that God has put into Adam, gave Adam uh, the seed of all men. We issued forth from Adam and we were born in that line of sin. He passed on to us just as surely as he passed on humanity. He passed on sin, every one of us. And we are all under the curse of sin. And uh, there's no escaping it. Let's finish reading here. It says, um, One man's offense, judgment came to all all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Just as sin was passed on through uh, Adam, and there was no way we could escape it, we were born into the family of Adam we were born with a sin nature born under the curse of sin just as surely as that is true and, and even more so when we are born into the family of the second Adam Jesus Christ his righteousness is passed on to us and just as, de just as depraved or, or just as completely void of righteousness as we were in our sinful condition now that we've been made righteous in the lineage of Christ, we are just as devoid of sin as far as God is concerned, as far as our standing before him. Verse 20, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. God gave the Ten Commandments and the other uh, legislation that's in the scripture so that we could see more clearly our need for Christ. But where sin abounded, Grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign or be king through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's go back and pick up that little parenthesis or parenthetical statement, beginning at verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Meaning, God, had, God gave the Ten Commandments... Um, fairly late into human history. But it didn't mean that the people before the law didn't have sin. They did have sin. They just didn't know the details of how sinful they were. And that's what the law revealed. Verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.